Hey everybody, it's Jessup Warnock, the Director of Marketing here at Seven Finger Flipping. Today's podcast is from Mike Simmons, a presentation he did on our, one of our virtual events. If you're not coming to our virtual events, you should be. They're sweet. It's about direct mail. He talks about it in the presentation. It's one of the most effective ways to market if you're a real estate investor. It's a great presentation. If you want to hear more from Mike, come to Flip Hacking Live this October. It's going to be killer. If you haven't got your ticket, the price is going up soon. The link is in the description. I want to see you there October. Click the link. That's enough for me. Here's Mike Simmons. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. So a little bit about me. My name is Mike Simmons. I live in Michigan. That's where I do all my investing. I have ventured outside of Michigan before. Uh, we're currently only operating in Michigan. Uh, but there's a reason because it, there's a lot here to do. And there's a lot. It's a very deep market. And there's a lot for us that we can be doing. I started off as a house flipper back in 2008 when the, everyone in the media was telling you to get out of real estate. I don't watch the news. So honestly, you know, when things happen in the world, I don't find out about it. And, you know, until someone tells me usually. So I, I was just oblivious. I started in 2008 and I was like, this seems like as good a time as any. I had sort of hit rock bottom, like mentally, like my job was fine. My family was great, but I was so frustrated that I hadn't gotten started at that point with real estate because I had been talking about it for five years and I just didn't do anything about it. So in 2008, I had just had enough of my own excuses and I got out there and got started and I started off flipping houses. And it, it went fine. I mean, I made mistakes for sure. My wife and I were partners in the business at the time. And she's super conservative. I'm super aggressive. It was a really nice mix. She kind of kept me out of trouble by slowing me down a bit. Uh, but we kept pushing forward and, and it was fine. But around 2014, I had some things happen in my business. Um, and my, my wife sort of stepped out of the business. It just wasn't, you know, it's not necessarily for everybody. And it was just too stressful for her. She's a school teacher and it was affecting her day. So she said, I'm going to step out of this. You do it. I trust you. You're going to be awesome. And so I stepped in on my own. And right about the same time, I had some issues with contractors, my business, the way I had it set up and the way I was operating wasn't the best. And so I sort of lost my contractor. My realtor sort of flaked on me a little bit. I was, I was forced to try to figure out what to do with some leads that were coming in. And I switched my model at that point over to wholesaling. I didn't do it necessarily consciously, but I had leads coming in and I, I'm a flipper and I didn't have a contractor and I didn't have a realtor and I felt completely like stuck. Like, what do I do with these leads? And so I still went out on the appointment and I got a lead under contract, but I didn't have I didn't have a back end, like I didn't have a, an infrastructure anymore. And so I called a friend of mine locally who I knew was also a house flipper and was struggling to find deals. And I said, hey, man, I got this deal. I don't know what to do with it. I, I don't have my team. Um, would you want it? Like, would you buy it? Are you interested in this house? And he's like, well, tell me a little bit about it. Told him about it. I purchased the house under contract for 90. And I said, "Would are you interested for 105? And he's like, I don't know. Let me go look. I'll do my due diligence. And he came back to me about 10 minutes. He said, I'll take it. And I was like, holy crap, I made $15,000 in Michigan in 2014 
I mean, an average flip 20, 25,000, I wasn't going to make much more than 25 best case scenario. I was like, I made 15 in like a couple of minutes. This is great. And so I switched my model over to wholesaling and I went from doing like as a flipper, I was, I was at about one a month was about my average as at once I got cranked up after a few years, it wasn't you know, earth shattering, but it was something, right? I was doing okay. But when I switched over to wholesaling, something happened and a switch inside of me got turned on. I really liked that model. And right at that time, I realized if I'm going to be a wholesaler and maybe the, the, the profit per deal is going to be slightly lower, I need more volume, but I didn't know how to get more volume because up to that point, I wasn't, doing a lot of marketing. I was finding deals here and there. It was some networking. It was, you know, just random things. There was nothing really in place to make it consistent. And so I knew there was something called direct mail. And so I grabbed a local person who was a wholesaler at the time. I think he still is. And I said, how do you do this, this direct mail thing? Like, what does that look like? How, how, how do you, I don't even get it. Right. And he kind of gave me some idea of, of how he was doing it. And I tried it on my own one day and just sent out at the time I sent out 800 postcards, 800 postcards. And I got a deal and I made another 15,000 on that deal, 800 postcards. And I was like, whoa, that was the ROI there is pretty good. So I sent out another 800 the next month, made about another $15,000. And I was absolutely turned on. So if I'm going to share something with you real quick, guys, I'm going to I'm going to share my screen real quick so I can show you something I put together. I want to talk to you about direct mail today because I believe <clears throat> that direct mail is still the number one way to get deals. I really do. Now, you could argue it's not the cheapest way to get deals. I get that, right? But if you look at all the factors, the cost, the reliability, um, the scalability, the feedback loop that you get, I still think it's the best. And I can tell you that when I went to Flip Hacking Live in 2000, I've been to every Flip Hacking Live, but back in 2021, I was a speaker and I was backstage with a lot of the other speakers. And I asked them one question, and I don't know if you guys, if I'll move that a while away. I asked them one question. I said, where are you guys getting the majority of your deals? Now, bear in mind, these are not average investors. These are not beginning investors. These are all high level investors who've been doing it for years. They're doing 50, 100, in some cases, 200, 250 deals a year. And I said, where are you guys getting the majority of your deals? Like, forget about the stuff you're trying right now. Forget about the stuff you're working on, you know, kind of trying to figure out. Tell me where the majority have come from. Nine out of 10 people said direct mail. Direct mail is where they were getting the majority of their deals. A lot of them were doing cold calling. A lot of them were doing PPC. I do those things too. But I said, if you had to just do one, what would you pick? And they said, it's direct mail. And I couldn't agree more. Over the last eight years, I have spent, I went back and did the math today because the last time I talked about this in front of a group, the number was a little lower. I went back and did the math. I've spent over $1.5 million on direct mail in my business life, right? In the last eight years, eight plus years, I've spent $1.5 million. Now, I'll tell you a little secret. That was vast majority of that was postcards. And the vast majority of those were sent out between 30 and 35 cents a piece, right? It's a lot of direct mail. I have learned a lot about direct mail. I have tested a lot with direct mail. You don't have to spend that kind of money to learn what I've learned, but I've spent a mind numbing amount of time and energy 
and postcards getting sent out and returned, right? Uh, to understand how to use direct mail effectively. Of the 800 deals that I've done in that time, 75% of them were from direct mail. 75% of my deals of the last eight years came from direct mail. And I've done all of it. I, I've done social media. I have done texting. I've done driving for dollars. We have SEO stuff going on our website, paid search, right? Google AdWords, uh, direct mail we talked about, uh, cold calling and radio. Probably the only thing on this list that I'm not really committed to in any real way is email. <clears throat> we just haven't, right? But we've tried everything else. We're still doing some of this. We still do a lot of PPC. PPC is a great avenue for us. We do radio. We do uh, SEO stuff on our website. And we do direct mail. Those are the ones that are we're doing the most. Direct mail, historically, always has been the best uh, avenue for us getting deals. <clears throat> and there's some reasons for that. But it's easy. Direct mail isn't a mystery. When I went out with that guy for lunch and he kind of broke down his direct mail strategy for me, you know, nine years ago, I think now, it's really not that hard. And if you've done it and not done it well, stay tuned. We're going to we're going to get into this a little bit deeper today. And I'm going to show you why it may or may not have worked well for you, what you can do to fix it and kind of go from here. But I do think everyone should try direct mail, at least try it in your market. Number one, Decide where your market's going to be. Now, one of the mistakes that people make is they say, if I'm going to send out direct mail and I'm going to get deals, I'm going to target the nicest neighborhoods in my in my market. I'm going to just go for the A-plus neighborhoods, right? These will be home runs. It'll be great. They're nice houses. And while that might be true, maybe they are home runs if you get them in the A neighborhoods, that's not where the majority of your deal is going to come from. The majority of because the fact of the matter is a lot of times, most times, the A neighborhoods are not seeing the kind of distress that we look for as real estate investors, house distress and not all the personal distress. Although, believe me, people are in distress everywhere. I get that. But in general, we're not finding the, the amount of distress and motivation that we need in those A neighborhoods. If you get one in an A neighborhood, it's great. It's very easy to sell. Everyone knows that, right? When I get a, a property in my market in a city that I know is very, very desirable, it goes like that, right? It's great. But we couldn't, if I only marketed to those areas, I wouldn't do very well. Um. How do you know which ones are best? The zip codes are best. Like I just said, A neighborhoods, you're not going to get the majority of your deals. In my opinion, like the D and E, like neighborhoods, the worst neighborhoods, the war zones, not necessarily. There's probably specific instances where you have a buyer who just absolutely loves those neighborhoods, maybe. But that's not where you're generally going to do your most deals. Most of your deals are going to be done right in those C, B minus neighborhoods, right? The, where the majority of people are buying new home buyers, people who are downsizing, and everybody in the middle, right? all in that like median range. And that's going to be different for every market, but that's where you're going to do the majority of your deals. That's where I would be marketing. Okay. How do you pull a list? Bill talked about it. List source. Um, the seven figure group has a, a discount. If you, you get a discount on that in our group. Um, there's other places, but I think list source is great. Uh, that's who I've always used. and It's never really failed me. So we use list source to pull a list. What list do you pull? We have done everything from equity which is really the majority of that, you know, $1.5 million I've spent have mostly been on equity mail, but you could do niche stuff, right? Pre foreclosures, uh, code violations. You can get real niche with this, right? It's, it's all, it's all there. And some of it is depending on your budget and where you live and, and certain things, but list sources where we go to get our list. Design a mail piece. This is where we're going to dig in quite a bit later on. I'm going to show you how to break that down a little bit. Um, you can use my card. I'm going to, 
essentially give you my card. If you screenshot it, you'll have my card. So you can use my card if you want. And by the way, the card that I'm going to show you in a minute is the card we're currently using. So it works. Uh, choose a mail house to print and send your mail. Simple. Uh, there's a lot of places that will do it. You can use whoever you want. I use a company called Evergreen Printing. Uh, it's at goevergreen.com. They're not sponsoring me. They're not paying me. I'm just telling you that's who I use. I've used them my the whole time I've been doing direct mail. They've never let me down. They're a very, very good company. So it's a, it's an option for you. And then five, decide how uh, phones are going to be answered. Now, you may say, what do you mean phones answered? Like I send everything to voicemail. If I send out direct mail, if I do any of that stuff, it's all going to voicemail. I just call them back, right? That's a bad idea. I'm telling you, trust me on this. A lot of money spent, a lot of money wasted. I used to let it go to direct or to voicemail and I would call them back. And there's a million reasons why that isn't the best way to go. But just trust me when I tell you live answer is the way to go. Whether it's you, it's not ideal, but when you're starting out, it might be you, right? You don't have a team. Somebody who works for you, that's ideal. I mean, directly for you. They only work for you. They're an employee of yours. That's ideal. Um, next best is having a service that's that's backing you up. If you can't answer the phone or your people can't answer the phone, having a backup service behind you. Um, I like one called Call Porter. I don't have them on, on my slide here, but I use a company called Call Porter. Uh, I've never seen a, a answering service or a backup service that was Oh, as good as a live person that I have that works for me directly, but call porters are closest I found to that. They're, they're really good. <clears throat> I prefer postcards. Like I said, now, some of you may have done direct mail. Maybe you're doing it now. Maybe you're sending letters. Maybe you're doing something else. Totally fine. In my market, I've done the research. I, like I said, I've spent 1.5 million on mail and it wasn't just postcards. Some of it was other stuff that I was trying so I could learn and figure out what works better Letters don't work better for me, and I would challenge you to try postcards if you're using letters now and see if there's a difference in the response. I've talked to a lot of people, and not just in Michigan. I have worked with and mentored and coached through the seven-figure flipping program, hundreds of investors, hundreds, and I have yet to find someone who can come to me and show me data that says letters work better than postcards. I don't believe they do, so I suggest postcards. Now, as much as I like postcards, this one's awful. I don't use this one. I'll go back so you can see it. This is no good. This this would not be a postcard that I would ever use, okay? So that's bad. Why postcards? <clears throat> they're super cost effective. They're less than a letter. They're usually about half, but in the very least, they're significantly less than a letter. Letters sometimes range from 80, to a, 80 cents to a dollar. Postcards are usually in the 35 to 45 cent range. If you're paying significantly more than 45 cents and you're sending out thousands of them, right? Like if you only send out a hundred or 200, maybe it gets real expensive, but volume as you go up and start sending out two, five, 10,000, it's going to go down. So you should be in that 35 to 45 cent range. If you're spending 60 cents on a postcard, for example, you're overspending or you're making it too elaborate, right? We'll talk about that as we go here. Number two, what I like about postcards, very scalable. And what I mean by that is if you go out and do door knocking, for example, you can scale it by hiring people, but still, you're not going to go from knocking on 50 doors to knocking on 10,000 doors overnight, right? With mail, you can do that. I, don't, I wouldn't suggest it going that fast, but you can scale it or scale it back to whatever you need, your budget or your ability to handle the leads, right? If you send out 5,000 postcards and your phone's ringing off the hook and you can't keep up, 
right? Then you can scale it back. That's fine. No problem. You don't have to fire anybody to scale back, by the way. You hire a bunch of people doing door knocking, for example, and you go and you scale this up to a thousand doors and you've got, you know, 20 people working for you and you want to scale that back for a few months. You're, you can't, you know, you fire them or you just don't use them, whatever it is, right? It, it starts to become a personnel thing. With direct mail, you can scale it up and down very, very easily. You can also, what I like about it is it's, it's low friction. Postcards are low friction, meaning you don't have an envelope to open. I don't know about you guys, but I take my mail and I open it usually over the garbage can. If I look at an envelope and I know it's junk and I, I know that I don't need it, I don't open it. I rip the envelope in half and throw it in the garbage. Is that a mistake? Maybe. Maybe that's not the way to go. But I'm telling you I do it because I don't have a lot of time and I get a lot of mail. So I just rip it in half inside the envelope. With a postcard, there is no envelope. There's nothing to open, right? I love it because the message is right there in your face. Whether you want to see it or not, you almost can't help it, right? So your message is getting to them. Whether they're going to throw it away or not, your message gets to them. Immediate feedback. Like I said, if I send mail out on Monday and it hits on Tuesday, I'm getting calls on Tuesday and probably Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm getting I'm getting uh, calls from that mail. So you get an immediate feedback loop. It's not like you throw it out there and you have to wait for weeks or anything. It's nothing like that. You send it out, you get feedback. If the phone doesn't ring within a day or two of that mail dropping, I know something went wrong. And if I get no calls, it's probably not the mail. It's probably actually it didn't go out or the wrong phone number was printed or something. And, and all these things have happened to me, all of them, right? Wrong phone number, mail didn't go out. All the things that can happen have happened. But you know right away if 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 it went well, if the message was good, you know right away because you start getting calls. And number five, it just works, guys. It just works. Try as I might to, and I have tried a lot of more, a lot more sophisticated um, marketing, right? Facebook ads and and all kinds of like new innovations. Nothing yet has outperformed direct mail. There's probably a lot of reasons for that, right? The demographic that we're still marketing to are like my parents' age and maybe your grandparents' age. They're like that boomer age, somewhere in there, right? They still appreciate physical mail. They're not necessarily all going to be on the computer, on the internet, right? You need to sometimes talk to people where they are. And for some people, that is not the internet. And so we talk to them where they are, and that's in their mail. Everyone checks their mail. Nobody doesn't check their mail. And if they don't, it's because they're on vacation or it's a day or something. But everyone gets and checks their mail. As much as I wish I didn't have to check mail and go through it because I've got a stack of mail over on the table over there, I still get mail and I have to check it. And so it just works, guys. It just works. I talked to somebody literally yesterday who I had had a conversation with a few weeks back about direct mail. They weren't doing it. They started doing it. They spent $2,000 on cards, $2,000 within one month, they got $40,000 return. Now it's not going to happen that way all the time. I get it, right? Sometimes it doesn't happen right away. You got to have a little bit of patience, but they spent $2,000 and two deals made them $40,000. It's just, it ha it can happen like that. It's a very quick um, loop. It's a, it's a very fast sales loop. You know what happened with those cards within days of them going out. You start talking to folks and, and get in their house and close deals. So it just, it just flat out works. It has ever since I've started. Now, in all fairness, it's probably more competitive now. It is more competitive. If I send out 800 postcards, I will likely not get a deal. 
when I started, 800 postcards got me a deal two months in a row, which was amazing. It doesn't really work like that so much anymore, but it still works, no doubt about it. Okay, this is the card that I'm currently using. You can screenshot it and, and use it. If you go and use um, Evergreen Printing, I can tell you this is up on their website because it works so well and so many people were requesting it that I've given this to that they called me and said, can I, can we please include this on our website because we, everybody wants it. So I said, yes. Now here's the deal. I'm still using this, right? And why am I sharing it with you? There's people in my market on this call right now. I saw them when I was scrolling through and just sort of seeing what cameras are on. I saw people that are in my market here in Michigan on this call right now, I, I don't care. Like they can they can use it if they want, right? Because there's other factors involved in success, not just the card. This card will not by itself make you money. You have to answer calls. You have to do all the right things in acquisitions. Like you have to be good at a lot of phases, but this card performs just flat does. And let's talk about why it performs. There's very specific reasons why it performs. Okay, let's start with the front. Is Maybe you call this the back, whatever, the address side. I call it the front. Number one, we use something called variable data. If you're sending out mail, postcards, letters, whatever, and it's like, dear resident, do you have a property you want to sell? Like very generic, you are, you are absolutely going in the garbage. You are garbage material. Clearly, you don't know anything about them. You don't know anything about their house. You don't know anything. It's, it could not scream junk mail more. If you are in my house and it says, dear resident, almost always, Rip it in half before I take it out of the envelope. So variable data means you're sending out, you have a list, you download a list from something like ListSource and you're sending the mail out and you are, you are specifically asking them about an address of a property that they own, okay? Another thing I want you to notice on the top on bold, it says, I wanna buy your property at. Now, I'm gonna say something that's maybe controversial, maybe not. I'm not a huge fan of the, scare the crap out of people with the title of my postcard where some people will put like last warning or, you know, something similar, right? Where this gets in the hands of an 80 year old woman who's a widow and she sees last warning and she's afraid she's her utilities are going to get turned off or somebody's going to take her house from her, right? I'm not into that, right? But I want them to know that I want to buy their property. Very bold on top. Because by the way, if you put a scare scary message in your postcard, you will get more calls, but they're not the calls you want. They're calls of people who are scared or mad or confused. And, and none of those people are going to sell you their house probably. So that's not what you want. Okay. The other thing I want you to notice about this is the font I'm using underneath the address. Very casual. It's not harsh. If that means anything, I don't know if fonts can be harsh, but it's very casual and that's on purpose. I have the logo of my company on here. Super debatable whether or not logo helps, hurts, doesn't make a difference. We put it on just for branding. Um, I think it can help just to show that it is a company, right? There, there is something behind it more than just somebody with, you know, um, you know, a couple thousand dollars in their pocket and big dreams, but it's not necessarily uh, something you have to do. And then uh, just a couple of bullet points on the side, right? Nothing, no big deal, but we're hitting some pain points here, right? No fees. We buy houses from people at 40 cents on the dollar. And sometimes people tell us they're selling it to us instead of going to the MLS because they don't like realtors. They just don't, they don't want to pay a realtor. They don't want 
to pay a realtor fee. And so we just put no fees, right? Because we're not we're not buying this or we're representing them as a realtor. We're doing it as an investor. So no fees, no commissions, right? Kind of the same, but not necessarily. Sell as is, they don't have to do any work to it, right? This is stuff, this is not like groundbreaking. A lot of people put this in their marketing, but I just want you to be aware, you should have it in there somewhere. Guaranteed offer in 48 hours, they're going to get an offer the minute we go out to their house, right? So we will give them an offer right away and close on the date of your choice. That's a big deal for some people. I want to sell it, but I can't sell it until, or I have to sell it before, right? One of these kind of uh, positioning. So we let them know that we'll we'll buy it when they're ready. Okay. On the other side, this is like, this is the money side, right? This is where all the magic happens. Again, high Salem. This is the person's name with Salem. Variable data. It doesn't say dear sir or ma'am. It doesn't say dear resident. It doesn't say homeowner. It says the person's first name. And by the way, it's specifically not saying their last name. I want this to feel personal. I want it to feel familiar. So first name, variable data. Next thing, again, the property in question. Why is it on its own line? Why is there so much white around it? I want them to see it. I want them, I want their property address to jump out at them, no matter which side they're looking at. The phone number, again, on its own line with a couple of doodles on here. By the way, this is called the doodle card if you go to Evergreen. The house has doodled on the side, the star, the little arrow, all of that stuff. I can't tell you the psychology behind why that makes a difference. I can tell you that it does. It probably makes it feel a little more disarming. It would be my guess. But years ago, like Bill's talking about, we met years ago at Dana Point at the first meeting of Seven Figure Flipping. About a year and a half after that, when I had made friends with some people who were really you know, doing a lot of deals. And at that time, Bill had scaled up his company. And I got all these people that I really respected their business and really, really smart people. And I said, all of you guys, send me your postcards. That's your best, your best postcards. Send them to me. And I got all these postcards, like 10 of them. And I put them up on my wall in my office and I started looking at common themes. I started analyzing what do I see that's common on all of these cards or most of them that they say are their best performing cards. And one thing that I saw consistently was some sort of doodle, right? And most of them had a star on it. Why that matters, I don't know. Most of them had a house doodled on there, an arrow. And so I just sort of like put together some things that looked like they were sort of a common thread all the way through it. And I do that on all my cards. You can see I underlined the word cash uh, up here. If you can see my cursor up here, the word cash. Use a different a different uh, color for no appraisals, no repairs, no commissions, no realtor fees. I'm hitting that realtor fee and commission really hard, you'll notice, because that is a common complaint. It's a common reason why we get people to sell to us instead of listening on the MLS. But I, I did a different color to set it off from the other words, just something to give it layers, I call it. At the bottom, got the website. Now, one more thing I want you to notice that's pretty important right here. I obtained your address using uh, county public records that are available to the general public. Why is that on there? The, the goal of a postcard or any marketing is not to drive more calls, okay? Let me say that one more time. The goal of a marketing piece is not to drive more calls. It's to drive good calls, okay? So when I put that on there, I put it on there because we had people would call up and all they wanted to know was, how'd you get my information, right? Because we're using their name and their address, variable data. How'd you get my information? 
well, we got it from public record, blah, 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 blah. Oh, okay. Boom. They hang up. They, they don't want to sell their house. They're just mad that we know their name and their address. We put that on our card. Call volume dropped overnight. But the deal flow didn't drop. Stayed the same. Less calls, right? We're not, it isn't, it isn't just staying busy on the phone. That's not how we make money. We make money by driving good calls. I wanted to eliminate the garbage calls because while we're explaining to a homeowner why and how we got their information, we're potentially missing another call of somebody who desperately wants to sell us their house. And so we put that on there. That was one of the most like, I was going to say genius, but it was my idea. That is weird. Uh, it was one of the, uh, best decisions we had made in our company as it relates to direct mail, because it changed how busy our phone people were and increased the number of good calls that they were on. Okay. Very informal. Now, why do you do informal? Again, it's disarming. It's a little more personal. Some people have asked me, what about those machines that simulate handwriting? Should I do that? The answer is no, it's more expensive. Okay. It's more expensive. And I have had enough people call me and say, you know, why are you sending me this mail? And we say, listen, ma'am or sir, um, we send this out to tens of thousands of people. It's not, we're not just sending it to you specifically. It's not, it's not directed at you. It's just, you're part of a list and it just got sent out automatically. And they say, no, 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 no. This was handwritten. You didn't send this out to a bunch of people. This was handwritten. And I go, no, it wasn't handwritten. It's just, it's a font that's casual. And then they say, what's a font, right? They don't know. So if some people are fooled by casual font and they think it's handwritten and that makes it feel personal, then a lot of people are probably being fooled, right? Our demographic is probably being fooled. So again, don't, don't spend the money on that. <clears throat> and another reason why is direct mail is way more about timing. In fact, marketing is about timing, but we're talking about direct mail. It's more about timing. I remember before when I showed you, I like postcards, but not the one that was on there. The reason I didn't like the postcard that I had up on the slide, way too produced, way too fancy, way, you know, all those colors and, and pictures and it's pretty, but it doesn't work as well. Casual works, right? This font is casual. And the reason why I brought up the, the fact that it's about timing is because I don't want to spend more money on a handwritten machine that simulates handwriting or a fancy card because I want to save that money and put it back into more marketing. I want to send more cards because marketing is about timing. And if I send someone a beautiful card, just the most beautiful card, and it's not a good time for them to sell. They're not ready to sell. Nothing has happened in their life that is making them need to sell their house. No matter how beautiful my card is, it's never going to get them to pick up the phone and sell me their house. Now, conversely, if I send them a card that's very casual, maybe it has a coffee stain on it, maybe, the, maybe there's misspellings in it, and it just looks really unprofessional, but they just got laid off from their job that day. Or... Their spouse just filed for divorce or there was an untimely death and they have to sell, right? Or whatever, right? All of the reasons why people sell at a, at a discount to us as investors just happened and they get my card with the misspelling and the coffee stain that was not on purpose, right? But they need to sell and they get that card and they see, I'll buy your house for cash, no commissions as is, and they're dialing. Not because the card was beautiful, but because the timing was right for them. Remember that timing is everything. Okay. 
Here's some golden rules for direct mail. Number one, consistency. I have had conversations with people in my market. And I say, have you, have you tried direct mail? Direct mail works. I can help you. And they say, no, I, I, direct mail doesn't work. Doesn't work for me. And I say, tell me more. I'm very curious why it doesn't work for you because it works for me and I'm in your market. And they say, well, I tried it and it didn't work. And I go, well, okay, tell me about that. When did you try it? Well, I sent out a thousand postcards and I didn't get any calls. I said, okay, so what'd you do the next month? And they said, nothing. It didn't work. I stopped. I was like, that's why it didn't work. You probably didn't send enough cards, but even still, you didn't do it long enough, right? Marketing, even though we get feedback right away, doesn't mean it's going to work right away, right? You might have to iterate the card. You might have to change your message a little bit. You might have to increase the amount of cards you're sending. Who knows? But I usually say, and if you ask Bill, if he jumps on after me, he he's pretty hard lined. He'll tell you six months on a marketing strategy, six months. I usually soften a bit and I'll say four to six months. But if you're not going four to six months into your marketing strategy and you're just jumping around, nothing is ever really going to work for you. You're not giving it enough time. Direct mail, like every marketing strategy, needs time. Four to six months. Six months if you if you can, right? Four at minimum. You've got to be consistent every single month. Number two, simple, clean design. Do not overcrowd it. Do not put too much messaging on there. A confused mind says what? No. If you confuse them with your card, if there's just too much going on, too many variables. You know, some people put on their card... I can buy your house. I can sell your house. I can lease it back to you. I can rent it back to you. I can do a, you know, a lease option. It's like, you've lost them, man. They're, you would lose me if you sent that to me. It's like, I, I can't think about all these options, right? Remember who we're talking to a lot of times. We're talking to people that are a little bit older. We're talking to people who are who are going through something in their life. They are in some sort of personal or financial distress. What they don't need is a bunch more things to decide. So we give them usually one thing. Give us a call. We want to buy your house for cash. We're going to make this easy for you. Simple, clean design. Big fonts, not little fonts. If they, if a person who needs glasses can't read it by doing this, it's going to get thrown away. So big fonts, clean, simple. Informal. Like I said, do not put full color glossy pictures on it. It is completely a waste time. Matter of fact, it hurts you. Do not go overboard on trying to create this ultra professional thing. Being a small company or being a solo panure, solo uh, operator, it works in your favor in this case. Usually the more informal and the more simple my card is, the better it does. The more I start putting on it, the more fancy, the more full. I've tried full color. Believe me, in that 1.5 million, I've I've done full color, full color of the house, a hand with cash, all that stuff. It doesn't work, and it not only doesn't work for me. I'm telling you, it doesn't work cross country. I've talked to people; it doesn't work. Frequency over quality. I just got done talking about this, right? I would rather you send a very informal, low production card a lot so that we're hitting them a lot and we're getting in front of them when it matters to them, when it's time for them, over a highly produced, expensive marketing piece that you can't send as often, right? Now you're just, you're trying to hit somebody when it when it matters to them, when they're ready to sell, but you're not doing it very often. So it's like, 
you know, you might as well play the lottery at that point. You're not going to get them. So we need to get in front of these folks a lot. And then finally, a clear call to action, the grandma test. If you take your postcard and you hand it to your mom, if they're old enough, your grandma, and you say, you give it to them and give them five seconds and then take it back and say, what was, what was being communicated to you there? What did you, what did you take away from that card? If they have no idea, go back to the lab, go back to the drawing board. You need to simplify your card, make it more obvious, make the call to action more obvious, go back and do a little bit more work because you got to pass the grandma test. If grandma can't tell you what that card means, you're going to miss out on an awful lot of deals, simple, clean, and get in front of them all the time. Okay, guys, I'm going to be at Flip Hacking Live. I'm going to be there the whole time. I know you guys have saw some great people yesterday. Uh, I think all of them are probably going to be there. You can't miss this event. I've been doing this since 2008. I've been at every Flip Hacking Live, and I have yet to go to a Flip Hacking Live where I don't fill up a notebook with stuff that I learn. You will learn so much. The people have gone. I mean, it's a million. It's a millionaire making event, in my opinion. People have gone to the event, sat there for three days, took notes, launched their business, come back the next year and tell us all about it. That they launched it, they grew it, they grew it to a million dollars or high six figures. It happens. That event is like hold nothing back event. One thing I can tell you that I don't know if Bill has mentioned this. If you speak at the event, and I normally do, if you speak at the event, Bill only has one thing that he tells the speakers usually other than, you know, like show up on time, obviously. Right. But one thing that he tells them about their presentation is don't hold anything back. Give it all to them. A to Z. This isn't a teaser event where it's like you give you a couple things and, you know, the other 80% of what you have to know, you'll have to you know, find out later. People stand up on that stage and they lay out aspects of their business, things that are working really, really well for them, things that they are absolutely crushing with. They lay it out from A to Z. And if you show up and your butt's in the seat and you're taking notes, people have launched businesses from this event. It is like no other. So if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, he's given you 10,000 reasons why you should get it with all the giveaways and this wheel that he's going to spin, which I'm super excited about too, but get your ticket now. Don't wait. Tickets don't get cheaper as we get closer. They get more expensive. So go grab those. All right, guys, that's all I got. Thank you.